You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at nowhearthisindy.com. My guest today is Denise Soltz. My guest today is Denise Soltis. She is the executive director of the Emoja Partnership, and their website is emojapartnership.org. Thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization? What do you do? Hi, thanks for having me today. Um, well, if you want to think about what do we do, our mission is really a partnership between Kenya and Indianapolis. And we uh, send children to school, orphaned and vulnerable kids to school. That's excellent. So how did the organization get started? What, you know, I, I, did someone wake up one day and say, I'm going to Kenya? How, how did it get developed? Well, um, really, we were born from Ampath. And um, Ampath, during their work, discovered this area of Kenya where there was a very high incidence of orphaned and vulnerable kids. One in five children have lost at least one parent. And they discovered that the kids weren't going to school. So they brought the problem back to an interfaith group here. And they said, uh, what can we do about that? Uh, we did write a big grant. Uh, but then they decided, even if we don't get this grant, we want to work on sending these kids to school. So all of our services really are designed to remove the hurdles that keep kids from going to school. Uh, the biggest of those programs is our food security program because that's probably the number one reason why kids aren't in school because they're out working or looking for food. Mm. So if I may, what is Ampath? Um. AMPATH is a partnership between Moy University and Indiana University. And what they're doing is uh, they first started to start a medical school in Eldoret, Kenya, and um, they provide help provide care to the people in different areas of Kenya. It is interesting that something like that starts with a hospital, but then the wraparound services quickly grow, especially if you've got one in five kids that, that have this need. Can you explain why, why, why are one in five kids orphaned in this particular area? There's an unusually high rate of HIV and AIDS in this particular part of Kenya. Um, part of it is cultural practices, um, multiple wives, and things like wife inheritance that have driven that up. Plus, they're adjacent to Lake Victoria, so there's a lot of traveling that goes on, and um, that's made the rate of HIV and AIDS high in this particular area. Mm. So it, when, when a child is orphaned, what is their experience like in this area? Give us some insight into what they face. What, age, what ages are we talking about, and, and what, is their, what happens well, um, that's a really interesting question, and it really does depend on uh, what other resources they have around them. But they could be 
from an infant all the way up to a high school or college age student when uh, someone passes in their life, their living situation to begin with is quite different than that of the United States. Um, most of the time they don't have electricity in their homes. They don't have running water. They're going to fetch their water and um, most of them have some sort of subsistence farming plot on their property. Um, they don't necessarily get taken in by other people because uh, it's all about land in Kenya and they don't want to move away from their home because then they'll lose that particular option for having that land in the future. So um, they try to stay in their home. We have about 100 child-headed households. We serve uh, oh, 3,425 uh, primary school students and another 200 uh, secondary and post-secondary students. Um, so life is rough for them. Um, they've lost one or both of the people that can work and support them. So they're really trying to just survive. School can be totally taken out of the picture if it weren't for us in the United States helping them with food, with going to school, paying school fees, helping them with some of the basic necessities like um, homes and uh, school. Uh, I mentioned school fees, but um, clothes to go to school and blankets, things like that. Well, can I ask how important is education? Because, you know, you, we often hear education is really important. We sort of take it for granted in, in terms of its importance here because we have such a robust system of K through 12 education. But in a place like this, you really see, I would imagine, the gap between the educated and the non-educated. Can you give us some idea of that? Well, if you look at um, studies that have been done, for every one year of school that a child finishes, their potential income increases 10%. Mm. So you can imagine if someone drops out in primary school, um, what their income potential might be. Every year it increases 10%. If we can get a kid through college, then that's not only a transformative um, future for them, but it's also for their entire family because they can help their younger siblings get through school, get their own education. What we're seeing really is that we're transforming the community that we serve. Yeah, generational lift. Yeah, but it's the number one uh, way to break that cycle of poverty. It's hard to go to school on an empty stomach. So how you mentioned food security, how desperate is the situation there and how do you achieve food security for your beneficiaries? Well, um, many times um, children might go to school with no breakfast and uh, typically they go home for lunch, but uh, many times they might go home and not have any lunch. So we started a school lunch program. Matter of fact, the teachers told us, if you want these kids to go to school, feed them. Mm. Um, so we've started feeding lunch. That's the 3,425 students that we feed lunch every day. Um, and that's made a huge difference. We've had an increase in 
performance, an increase in test scores, an increase in graduation rate, matriculation rate onto secondary and post-secondary school. Um, we've seen even a de decrease in our pregnancy rate or teen pregnancy, along with some of our other program. We have a girls and a boys empowerment program. Speaking to Denise Soltis, who is the executive director of the Emoja Partnership, that is emojapartnership.org, U-M-O-J-A partnership.org. So how do you connect with people on the ground? Give us an idea of your programs and how you find the people that you serve. Well, we have a staff on the Kenyan side that run our services on a daily basis, and they actually really do lead us in the types of services that we're going to provide. We have at each of our primary schools uh, a person called the link teacher who identifies the students who need extra support at their primary school. And really, they, they work as a volunteer and identify those particular children. We provide school lunch, we provide school uniforms, uh, we help with blankets and lamps to study by. I mentioned, you know, that they don't have any electricity per se in their homes. So that's a very important piece. We have a girls and a boys empowerment program. The girls empowerment program has been going on for quite some time now, 2011. We've seen a lot of change in the girls' performance since we started that. So much so, actually, that we saw the girls performing better, outperforming the boys, leaving them behind. So we decided to um, start a boys' empowerment program. We don't necessarily want to lift any particular group up above the other and um, since that started, we've seen a rise in the boys' performance, their engagement in class, less behavioral problems, all of those kinds of things. So when you're doing that empowerment, I mean, I've, I've long talked about the, uh, the need for boys empowerment because there's, you know, a long, long, let's empower both sexes is, is my, uh, my idea. And so how do you achieve that? Like when you're talking about girls empowerment, boys empowerment, what are some of the key things that you found that have worked to inspire confidence and self-esteem in, in either gender? Well, we have a series of topics. We have a whole curriculum that we um, provide over a year for, we start fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And um, then it is modified then again, when they get into high school and post-secondary, that's college or university. Um, we, teep, we teach a variety of topics, not only uh, their place in society, but relationships, um, you know, how to prevent uh, unwanted children. You know, of course, we do teach abstinence, but we also give them tools in case that they're not abstinent. Um, we have a lot of speakers. We use every all of our speakers are from Kenya, so they definitely teach the Kenyan perspective, and they understand the culture there. It's made a huge impact. It really has in, in their performance, and they're worthwhile. I think, especially the girls, um, they saw a huge difference in, in how they interact 
at school and um, just the potential to dream, I guess. That's excellent. It's beautiful. Uh, well, like every nonprofit that we speak to, you do amazing work, you do empowering and uplifting work, and I know that you wish you could do more, and the barrier to that is resources. So how can people help you? Tell us of what events you may have going on or way, other ways that people can support your work. Well, coming up just in a couple of weeks, we have our Interfaith Thanksgiving dinner Typically, this is a pretty big event that we have that uh, we get together and we celebrate our work and we work on raising money um, for the food security program. The event is November 15th. You can purchase tickets for that event. Of course, it's virtual this year. It's uh, not an in-person event, but we have a really great program planned for you. Dr. Joe Mamlin will be our guest speaker and we'll have videos from our kids and uh, a few words from some of our board members. So we hope that you'll go to our website and purchase a ticket. You can always donate. You can donate directly through our website or even if you want to, I have a text to donate number 317-449-7224. You can Join our newsletter and learn more about us by getting our newsletters. And you can always volunteer for events like that. All of those links are on our website. So visit our website and learn more about us. Excellent. Final question. What is the one thing you see every day that you wish everybody understood about your work? (laughs) (laughs) This is always a stumper. Oh, okay. Um, Well, I guess um, the one thing that I see every day that I wish other people would know is how much you get back from giving to another child, um, another human being, making a difference in their life. Um, If you could meet these kids in person, you would see they're just like us. Um, except for they didn't really see a path forward. What we've done is we've given them hope for a brighter future. And um, certainly I give, I get so much back from the work that I do and their faces and their accomplishments. Really. We have, we have beneficiaries now who we've got a pharmacist. uh, We have someone who is going to medical school, nurse, um, accountants, teachers. Certainly we have a lot of success that we can draw from. That's excellent. Thank you so much, Denise Soltis, who is the executive director of the Omoja Partnership, U-M-O-J-A partnership.org. And uh, please be sure to check them out. And thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share our work. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, you can listen on our website, nowhearthisindy.com. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please email Gabby at nowhearthisindy at iheartmedia.com. And thank you for listening, and we will be back again next weekend with Now Hear This. 
Matt Whitliff and I are history nuts and news junkies, and we forever talked about how much history applies to modern politics, and we often fail to see the parallels in the past. So he and I have embarked on a long journey from antiquity to the present, where we're going to illustrate where our ancestors can help us build a better future. So subscribe now to the History of Modern Politics to get the full backstory on our current events. There are two episodes a month, and they're available now to subscribers of Wall Plus or at historyofmodernpolitics.com, or you can subscribe to the public podcast feed to get episodes in 2022.